the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Should schools ban phones? And then we're joined by Paul Acey from PluggedIn.com to talk all things movies. You're listening to The Common Good. Happy Thursday, friends. Welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us on a Thursday afternoon. If you've missed any of the shows this week, particularly Tuesday and Wednesday with Food for the Poor, we'd encourage you to go pick them up. Unbelievable mm-hmm. stories. They yeah, do great work. And we are looking to uh, support them and raise money too, so that they can feed more and more people. And so uh, in order to do that, go to 1160hope.com and there you can find um, the... Uh, the link to go and support food for the poor. So really we love people from food from the poor, Paul Jacobs, Anitra Parmalee and the rest. Yeah. They're our friends. uh, We love them. They are our friends, but Aubrey, because we've been with food for the poor the last two days, uh, and then you were sick on Monday. Yeah. We have not had a chance to catch up since Thanksgiving, which was a week ago today. I'm, uh, I'm very anxious to know. Not only did you eat out on Thanksgiving, but my, I joked with my family. I was telling them because we were at the Olive Garden one day over the weekend, and I was like, "You got to hear what to say." And I told them that you were eating. You were not only going out for yeah. Thanksgiving meal, but you were going out for Italian food. We went out for Italian food. So, it, uh, report yeah. back about you just kind of thumbing your nose at all tradition. Yeah, well, it, it's we had. A, let's here we go. Uh, I did not thumb my nose at tradition. My husband decided to invite everyone he knows to Thanksgiving with us. And the only restaurants that had reservations open last minute were Italian restaurants. So now fortunately we ended up going to like Cooper's Hawk has a version of an Italian restaurant. I think you've been there before. It's so good. For my anniversary. Uh, I went there for my anniversary. Yes. Piccolo, Buca, something like that. that. Uh, In Oak Park. Yeah, in Oakbrook, it was lovely, and the food was delicious. Now, they did not even have, like, a turkey ravioli. Like, they did not (laughs) – there was no pretending this was doing anything American for Thanksgiving. It was pure Italian. But we had a big crowd with us. It was a lot of fun. The food was fantastic. And, you know, my kids said after, like, you know, we don't really love Thanksgiving food anyway because they're at that young age where, like, they don't appreciate a sweet potato. You know what yes, I mean? Yes. So they actually had fun, too. It went by fast. I had no stress because I didn't have to cook or clean. So we actually had a – I was surprised because I thought maybe we would miss the, like, Thanksgiving vibe. But it was yep. a lovely little surprise. And then it was over and we went home and watched a movie. So it was great. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so I didn't hear about your Thanksgiving. I'm sure our people did, but give me a little recap. It was great. Here. My daughter being home for the week was was awesome, and Fun. then the other two being off of school. So what I what I talked about on Monday is it was nice just to have. I feel like it's been a long time since we've had days where we didn't have to get going anywhere in the yeah, morning, and we didn't have yeah. to do that. 
so that was nice. And then, you know, we did the traditional Thanksgiving where all of Carrie's family was at her sister's house and yeah. we ate all the fixins and watched all the football and it was great. It was Fun. it was wonderful. Uh we when my daughter comes home, we tend to watch a bunch of movies. You know what we watched? What? Because uh, I forgot that it was a uh, actually a Thanksgiving movie, and I was like, "Oh, we're gonna watch this." We watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh man, I haven't seen that since like it came out. Right? <laughs> How did it hold up? It was funny. I okay. was worried because I even warned the kids going in. I'm like, I, I don't, don't know. know. Yeah, I don't know. But it it turned out to be funny. So. Uh, yeah, good. It was a it was a good weekend. Lots of family time. Lots of this and that. And uh, yeah, it was all How good. How fun! We, oh, I love and, it. And we went to an Italian restaurant, Olive Garden, like I said, but on <laughs> Friday night. Yeah, that's <laughs> the more reasonable time to go for, for sure. The, the more normal time <laughs> to go. Well, uh, good to have you back. Good to be together. And yes, good uh, to be here. All right, there's a new movement going on. Uh, I saw this at CBS one morning. It said schools across U.S. joined growing no phone movement to boost focus and mental health. It says in an effort to avoid to remove distraction and enhance the educational experiences, schools across the United States are increasingly adopting a no phone policy uh, with over 2000 schools participating. The company that's co- companies called Yonder has reported a hundred and fifty percent increase in the number of schools doing this and without getting into it, uh, they're finding mental health is better. uh, The school experience is better. Wow. uh, Everything kind of is testing a little bit better, which isn't surprising, but what do you think of this movement in general? How would you feel? Maybe your kid's school already does it, but it's not like put your phones away. It's like, no phones in the school. I love this idea. My kid's school does not do this. I would love to see them do this. I think this is so brilliant. Now, every it, I think that only the only downside that I don't think is enough of a downside to change it is like in the middle of the day, my son will text me, hey, mom, I need to order this or hey, mom, right. I'm not feeling very yep. good or whatever. But all of that is solvable. Like he doesn't feel good. He goes in the nurse's office. He needs me to order something. He tells me after school. You know what I mean? So I I think it is brilliant. And like, honestly, the data's there. The research is there. Them yep. being on their phones and being on social media, whatever you want to say about their phones, it is not good for their mental, emotional health, period. And so to remove it almost feels like a no brainer. What I would like to see, and I don't have the guts to do this as a parent is like, and then you also can't have it at home. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, let's just increase it. No phones for teens at all. And maybe parents, you need to only be on your phone in certain hours. Like, I don't know. I'm ready to go back to an old, like, old fashioned society with no electricity or something. We were just talking about phones the other day. Listen to this quote that he says, um, Smartphones are basically kryptonite for learning. When children have a phone in their pocket, and most schools say you have to keep it in your pocket, you can't use it during class. It's like saying in a drug detox clinic, you can keep your heroin in your pocket, just don't shoot up. If kids have access to a phone, they will text they yeah. will check their social yeah. media. They will not pay attention to the teacher or each other mm. in person. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you then the, the big question here. Should we be doing this in churches? Should Sunday morning, should there be a big box Ooh. in which all the adults all the adults place their phones in the big box? And we go, hey, guys, we're here to worship Jesus. 
for the worship experience. We need to be, we need to, the phones are a distraction. Bring a hard yeah. brick. We got Bibles for you in here. Don't give me the Bible <laughs> on the phone excuse. I would never in a million years never. do this. And I think it would be a good thing in yeah. that therein lies the problem. Yeah, it is a, it is funny to think about in a church setting because all of a sudden that begins to feel like you're like in a weird, you know, uh, uh, dystopian society where the authorities are taking away. You know, you can't do um, it. You absolutely can't. But I totally agree with you that it would be really beneficial and probably people would sigh some sighs of relief like oh good I don't have to be attached to my phone for now even me like I sit on the front row I'm taking pictures I'm I'm you know <laughs> posting about whatever the sermon is I'm I'm taking notes on my phone and then inevitably I get distracted because the text comes in and it's like <laughs> I'm like on staff at the church doing this yes. you know what I mean so but you know it's interesting to me because I do think there are places like churches could do retreats Mm-hmm. for adults uh, they do this for teens but adults and say no phones and you have to turn your phone and you get it back like there are ways i think churches could get away with this and spaces but a sunday morning it doesn't seem possible you could start encouraging your people though hey what yeah. if for an hour for this month you know like march is no phone service march March. (laughs) (laughs) You try. I don't know. I mean, Uh some of us who are on church staffs who have the phone in their pocket have even received texts from their radio partner while (laughs) preaching. I don't know what what you are talking about. Yeah, this is the hard thing about technology and phones. It feels like so foreign to be like, you can't have your phone in church or school or whatever. Yet all the data says it's beneficial and it's a good thing. And it would be good for our mental health to take breaks and these types of things. This is this is the struggle. It's the struggle. Schools may be leading the way here. We'll see what happens. Hey, uh, if you missed our time with Food for the Poor over the last couple of days, let me encourage you, go to 1160hope.com. You can read more about Food for the Poor, and you can also, more importantly, find the link to give and support as they feed and provide much-needed, life-saving food for people in the Caribbean, Latin America, mm-hmm. Central America, and all sorts of other places around the world. We were doing that all month and we would really encourage you to be a part of that. All right, let's talk marriage and divorce. Let me Ugh. read to you. I saw a tweet the other day uh, at a, a Twitter handle called the rabbit hole. And it said this divorce rate from 2000 to 2021. And there's a big article on it, but here are some of the highlights. Okay. This is a big We're talking 21 years here, okay? Yeah. Uh, They said, here's some of the things. Divorce rates have gone down uh, pretty significantly since since the year 2000. Uh, So that's kind of the big one. The divorce rate per 1,000 people went from 4 to 2.5, okay? Okay. Uh, Percent, that is. Yeah, gotcha. Some other tidbits from the article. Third marriages have the highest divorce rate at 73%. I want you just, I'm going to read you a bunch of things from this article and then I want you to pick one or two. Yep. 40% of new marriages now include a partner who is remarrying. 40% Mm. of Mm. new marriages. Interesting. Only 6% of divorce couples remarry each other. Interesting. I never even thought about the remarrying of, of the person you've already divorced. Yeah. Divorcees are more likely to die earlier than married people. Whoa. Couples who live together before marriage are more likely to end up divorcing. Wow. 
having friends who are divorced increases Mm. your risk of getting divorced. Mm. All right. There's a lot for you to chew on. That is like a Thanksgiving. Wow. Uh, All of this, by the way, rabbit hole is kind of synthesizing an article at Forbes. Okay. Uh, That's where these are coming from. But uh, which ones there stood out to you? Um. Okay, a few stood out to me. The 40% of marriages include a partner who is remarrying stood out to me because I would say as in all the marriages we've done over the past several years, I would say that's right. Like about mm-hmm. 40% of them are one person, it's their second marriage and the yep. other person yep. it isn't. And that's unique, right? Because then the partner is bringing, it's interesting. Like I'm even thinking about our own experience it's typically the women that are on their second marriages, at least mm. just in our experience. So then, you, you know, you've just got some extra stuff you're bringing into a marriage. The spouse has some, uh, the, the, the one who's getting married to the divorced person has some extra loving to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause there's some wounds and there's some pain and all of that stuff. Um, anyway, so I think that is so fascinating. Wow. Okay. Um, Man, I think the, one, let, let me ahead. give you my, what I think is the most fascinating one here. First of all, well, all right. The last one, having friends who are divorced increases your risk of divorce. This is not something that I ever realized until somewhat recently. As I've seen people, uh, another way of saying this, some people said uh, divorce is contagious. Yeah. Because I think somebody who's got, every marriage has problems. Every marriage has tension. And then they see one of their friends get divorced. And they kind of romanticize it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, maybe I should do that. And I've seen a thing where uh, I knew a group recently where four women all filed for divorce within a year of each other. Like four good friends. And you're like, there's something. That's not a coincidence. Like I do think if you've got a lot of divorce around you, I think it's a little bit of a red flag, at least a yellow flag. Be careful. Like yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a contagion, there's a romanticizing to divorce. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know what people do? They post on people who I've known who's gotten on, who have gotten divorced. Oftentimes they'll start posting on Facebook early on about how freeing it is. Totally. They do. Yeah. And then they totally. don't end up posting later about how difficult how it is. How painful it is. And all the times right? they break down right? crying. And even though they might not regret it, it's painful. And what about the holidays? And like, oh, yeah, no, they tend to post the, like the glory, the glory right. of the divorce and not the, right. the hard reality of it. Yeah. That's, that's interesting to think about even divorce as a, um, like, okay, if you're the divorcee, right, you're the one in the marriage and you're getting a divorce to just consider like, this isn't just between me and my spouse, like this mm-hmm. will have some ripple effects, not even just to my kids, but even to my community. Like, what if my choice to stay married, and again, Brian and I never say stay in an abusive marriage, like mm-hmm. that's not what we're saying. But if, what if my choice to do the work and to stay in a marriage and to get counseling and to fight for this thing actually has a ripple effect into other couples who are thinking about divorce, Mm. but they see the work you do and they decide to stay and work hard too. Like think to think about it, even from that perspective with this data in mind that like the more you're around people who are divorced, the more likely you are to get one. Well, then maybe the opposite is true as well. Like the more people who fight for your marriage that encourages other people to fight for their marriage. That's good. That's good. I always Uh, think this couple who lives together. This is the big one. Yeah, because yeah. you see that. I mean, you've seen that 
stat forever, right? That like, if you live together before marriage, you're more likely to get a divorce. And I don't know what that is in particular, except maybe it's a low view of like the covenant of marriage or something, because that would lead you, I guess, to move in with somebody before you're married. But you can see how logically it's like, well, no, we just, we got to try each other on. Does this work? Right. Does this not work? Are we compatible when we live together? Right. We're setting a good foundation by trying this out. Like you think there's some wisdom in it, but all of the data shows that like there is not wisdom. In yeah. It. So I think there's twofold. I think one of them is traditionally there's a certain type of person who doesn't live together and there's a certain type of person who has that's traditionally and that probably makes you more likely there's a different view of marriage there but to your point think about you and i talked about this a a couple months ago i think i'm doing the more marriages that i do now in the church are people who have lived like i'm blown away by how many christian couples live together now oh yeah it's wild isn't it? And you're yeah, almost it. surprised when people come to you and you're like, oh, we're, you know, we're living in two different apartments or I'm living at home. And you're like, oh, good. Yeah, good. When, oh, phew. Yeah. When, when, you know, I got married 23 years ago, going on 24, you're going on 23, you and Kevin. When we got married, you know, we were young, but it was still, it was like scandalous. To oh, live it was together. like taboo. You just right? did not live together. Absolutely. And part of it was the implication was then you're like, having sex before you're married. And that obviously is not God's way. And so I think that's like, that was all of the, that was all of it. And you just did it. You just didn't do it. But you're right. The amount of Christians that I find out, like they're living together. I'm always a little, like, I feel like an old naive lady. I'm always a little like, (gasps) what? You know, you have to be real chill about it. Like, oh, interesting. And not like show like judgment. I hear you. All right. Last question for you about divorce. I'm going to give you a guess. Uh, what is the average length of a marriage prior? They found in this the average length of a marriage prior to divorce. So the key word here is average, oh. right? Because there's some early, some later, but average. Uh, what is the average length of a marriage prior to divorce in this study? Uh, oh, man. I'm going to guess 20 something years. You are super off. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, what is it? Eight years. Eight years. Oh, like the seven-year itch and then the eight-year Oh, I didn't know, but that's true. That's true. I haven't thought about that. I think it makes some sense. It's about five, six, seven, eight years where that honeymoon period is over. Your kids uh, might be introduced. Now your kids are getting a little older. I I guess I was thinking, I said older because I was thinking kids out of the house. Now you want to live your own life. You know what I mean? That's what I was thinking. So that's a whole nother conversation that we should have for another day because- I do think that that one's growing. All statistics oh, say yeah. the divorce rate that is growing at the highest rate right now is quite frankly where you and I are in our marriages. It's in like the the mid 20 years, kids are out of the house, empty nest. And instead of like transitioning, couples are divorcing. And that is the number one highest one. But the average is eight years. So found those statistics to be fascinating. Hopefully they're helpful for you. Aubrey, going to play a game next. I got a game for you. It's Guess the Christmas Carol. We're going to get into the Christmas spirit next year on The Common Good AM 1160. Hope for your life. Sometimes we tackle difficult subjects on this show. We just did this conversation about divorce. Uh, Sometimes we let Aubrey talk about her movies like we did with Paul Acey from Plugged In earlier. I love that. Yes. 
Sometimes we just need to play a game. That's what we're <laughs> going to do today. Aubrey, it is the Christmas season. Oh, the one thing I haven't told you, by the way. What? I said to our audience when I did the show alone on Monday is that now that Thanksgiving over is over, I am full in Christmas mode. The tree is up. Woohoo! in the Christmas music. Congratulations. I'm good to go. We're like, You're you ready are now. now on the same page. We I'm can, so we happy to hear that. Unified. Together. Good. So Phew. Here is the game. Ready? It is called Guess the Christmas Carol. Oh. And so they describe it this way. This will challenge your knowledge of synonyms and popular Christmas song titles. Uh, so it's, it gives it to you in a weird way. Let me give you the example they give. Senior flattened by a cloven aviator. <laughs> okay, wait. Say it again. <laughs> Senior flattened by a cloven aviator. Grandma got run over by a reindeer? There you go. Nice. You go. I love this. Okay. So that's how this game's yes. going to work. Every title fantastic. is going to sound really weird. And it's it, it basically synonyms to a well-known Christmas carol. Are you ready? Yes. Some of these are easy and some of these are not. So, all right, first one. And some of these words I have trouble with, but we're going to go with it. Uh, felicitations for the season. We wish you a Merry Christmas. That is correct. Yes. All right, number two. Uh, Sterling Carillon. <laughs> Silver Sterling Carillon? Carillon. Silver Bells? Yes, a Carillon is a big bell. I, I didn't know that. Okay, that's that. The Carillon was throwing me off, but okay, silver bells. <laughs> I love this next one. Uh, circuitous gamble of festive conifer. <laughs> and by the way, gamble is spelled G A M B O L. Okay. Cir okay, so round. So I get a wreath. Gamble of festive conifer. Oh, rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> yes, you are good. At this. Yes. yes. Three for three. Okay, oh, number four. Okay. Uh, awesome hibernal acreage. <laughs> uh, oh, Christmas tree? No. No. Awesome uh hibernal acreage. Okay. Yeah, this one's tough. I've just okay, looked it up. Don't, okay, acreage would be like forest, woodlands. Oh, uh, oh. but it's awesome. It's... I know. The awesome part is like what's throwing me off. Okay, just go. Just, just tell me. Winter Wonderland. Ah, that's good. I don't know if I would have gotten that. That's good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> these are just really hard to <laughs> say. <laughs> Number five. Altitudinous, altitudinous, okay. celestials acclaim. Uh, okay, so Her Harold, hark the Herald angel sing. Close. Okay. Close. Star, another it's another angel song. Angels we have heard on high. That is it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Angels wow. We have heard on high. Okay. Uh, the next one they give is also the example. So we already did it. Senior flattened by a cloven <laughs> aviator. I love that one. That's amazing. Covert observation of matriarch's scandalous osculation. I saw a mommy <laughs> kissing Santa Claus. <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. Okay. Oh, man, that's Number good. Eight, petite birthplace. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. 
That is correct. You don't even have to finish that one. That's good. No, that's that good. is finished. Oh, that, that was it. it oh, that that's was it. it. Okay, okay. Uh, number nine. This one I didn't know great. Uh, sprightly venerable benefactor. Something elf? Like, okay, sprightly? No. Something about Santa Claus? Okay, wait. Say it again. Sprightly? Uh... That Here is sprightly, comes... venerable benefactor. So he's bringing you gifts. It's got to be Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus? No, I didn't know this one great. Jolly old St. Nicholas. Oh, jolly old. Oh, sure. Okay. That was that one wasn't that great. Uh, number 10. Allegiance proceed. <laughs> Allegiance proceed. Oh, man. Uh, These are hard. These are good. Allegiance. Okay. So like something it's not joy to the world allegiance proceed something go allegiance proceed ah oh, faithful oh come all ye faithful oh, come all ye faithful that is <laughs> yes, correct yes, yes. <laughs> wow this is amazing number 11 I, hopefully you're at home you're playing along with yeah, us yeah i gotta do this with my kids this is pretty awesome inquiry of mutual auditory perception <laughs> oh can you hear Work do you out. hear what i hear do that's you it. hear what i hear <laughs> that's right <laughs> all, right. all right. this one's going to be really easy for you number 12 will be really easy let me make sure yep uh this is like getting a deep breath this is a break for you okay okay uh, hushed darkness silent night phew yes. that's good i love that uh 13 Noel dash envisage blanched blanched <laughs> white Christmas. Yeah, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I'm white dreaming Christmas. of a white Christmas. Okay, okay. Number fourteen. We got we got twenty of them. So number fourteen, inaugural Yule. Uh, year <laughs> inaugural Yule. Okay, Yule is the fire. Or the fireplace. Inaugural. Have yourself a merry little. No. No. I think the inaugural. The inaugural part is throwing me off. Like annual? Year? Yearly? Inaugural. A... First. Oh, 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 oh. The first Noel? There you go. There you go. Oh, that one wasn't very good. Okay. 15's easy. Uh, Royal Eastern Trio. <laughs> we Three Kings. I love That's that right. song. That's right. Is that what it's uh, actually called? We three kings. Number sixteen is gonna be pretty easy too. Planetary planetary jubilance. Joy to the world. Yes. Okay. This is awesome. Seventeen. Uh, thurgical. T h e u r. <laughs> thurgical. Cool <Yes>. guy. <laughs> thurgical. Cool guy. Frosty the snowman. That's correct. <laughs> Three more. Oh, uh, I love this. 18. Matchless season. Okay. Uh, Ooh, this is a good one. One and only Christmas. Only unique, special. Five more seconds on this one. Uh, I'll give it to you. Okay. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't know. Number 19 is a song called Grown Up Christmas List, so I'm skipping that one. I oh, I would have known that one. That's okay. 
Uh, it's called Full Grown Enumeration of Holiday Hopes. <laughs> that would have been really hard. I think I might have gotten it. That's okay. Number 20, last one. Okay. Commencement of Yuletide Complexion. <laughs> uh, commencement starting. Work it out. Yeah. Commencement. St- the beginning. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. There you yeah. go. You were pretty good at these. I got to be honest. I, there were a lot of these I would have been like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> That's good. You got to send that to me. I got to do that with my family or our church staff or something. That's there really good. There you go. Fun. That one is uh, a good time. Get us into the Christmas. We hope spirit. you have a wonderful evening. Brian and I will be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.